Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Welcome along and thanks for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, November the 23rd. An emergency meeting's been taking place into why part of Kent has overtaken Hull in having the highest COVID-19 rate in England. Swales council leader says he's frustrated to see a willful disregard of the rules. The reported rate suggests there are more than 631 coronavirus cases per 100,000 people in the area. Well, it comes as the Prime Minister unveils his plans for coming out of lockdown. At kentonline.co.uk, we've got details of the tougher three-tier system that's expected to come into force after December the 2nd. We don't know yet what tier Kent will be in, but that's due to be confirmed later this week. Meantime, some of the experts behind Oxford University's coronavirus vaccine believe it could be rolled out completely by spring. Tests show the jab, which is also being developed by AstraZeneca, is up to 90% effective. Staying with COVID news now, and a Kent dad who's only been able to see his disabled daughter once since March says he's desperate to give her a hug again. Brett Martin used to visit 33-year-old Charlotte twice a week at her care home near Deal before coronavirus put a stop to it. He wants the government to focus on getting rapid COVID testing kits to care homes so close family can safely visit again. Brett has been speaking to Lucy for the Kent Online podcast. Charlotte's um, disability, she suffers from something called Rett syndrome. Um, and, and part of that is um, that she gets quite anxious as well. So she's, she's suffering from those sort of separation anxieties at the moment as well. And I'm very lucky in the fact that she, we have a sort of video call, maybe maybe five days out of seven, which works really well. But for example, last night we had a video call and, and Charlotte was particularly disinterested and it, it was quite heart-wrenching and upsetting last night. In fact, I lost a few hours sleep last night because of, you know, I'm worried about her. Worried about her. Yeah, I can imagine. And a, a video call just isn't the same as it is being there in person. No, so Charlotte is non-verbal as well, so she, she can't tell me how she feels, she can't tell me what she wants, and she relies very much on touch and feel as well. So she is um, a real daddy's girl and always has been, um, and I've been, I have an amazing relationship with her. We, in normal times, we go swimming, we go to discos, um, and it's a very cuddly um, relationship as well. Obviously, all of that human contact has gone for her now. And if you can imagine yourself in her shoes, somebody who doesn't see the world in the same way as we do, all of a sudden, all that physical contact has been taken away from her. Um, she must be extreme, feeling extremely anxious and, and vulnerable. I know most of us have made sacrifices during this pandemic, perhaps not being able to see family as much. But for you, this is, you know, bigger in a way isn't it because Charlotte might not understand why you're not there that's right and I think for me you know I, I try to explain to Charlotte all of the time why why I can't come we talk about Covid as a as a bug type thing um, so try and explain it in a language that hopefully she will understand because she does have some comprehension there's no doubt about that um, but I, I just worry um, that she feels locked away so I think, you know, the government were right in, in 
putting vulnerable people you know behind closed doors at the beginning of the pandemic we knew nothing about covid at that particular time um, and it was right and the, and the safe thing to do but i think you know science has actually caught up now we've got rapid testing in place we've got uh, we know a lot more about the virus and how it transmits um, so i think for me people like charlotte in care and there's been an awful lot of press um, around elderly in care which is equally important but i feel that the younger people in care who are in care for extremely valid reasons um, have been forgotten in this and, and that's where my passion really lies. Lucy's also been chatting to George White who's the chief exec of Martha Trust which is where Charlotte lives. Uh, it's incredibly difficult Lucy and, and we really feel for them. We're very blessed and we have a very close relationship and uh, each week we have a parent reps group which uh, Brett joins in and um, we work together to try and get the best solutions. We have allowed half hourly visits when we haven't had any COVID in the homes. Um, but for Brett uh, and others, physical contact is everything with uh, their loved ones. So it's just been impossible for, really for them because they know if they don't have that, they will cause the resident more upset than um, uh, even you know visiting and not being able to have that touch. So yeah, incredibly difficult for them. And how hard is it for your staff as well to look after people who are really missing that physical contact with their family members? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I have to say, uh, the staff have even exceeded my expectations. Um, they've just been fabulous with the residents and they've tried to put things in place to compensate for that. But I think we all have to acknowledge it's not the same of having a family member uh, who's very close to you with them so difficult for staff uh, they've risen to all the challenges um, we've put lots of extra activities and things that we couldn't do you know we weren't allowed to do so we put other things in place but I would be the first to acknowledge it's not like having your mum and dad visit you. And do you think enough is being done for younger people in care homes during this pandemic or do you think they've been a little bit overlooked by um, you know care homes who look after elderly people perhaps being a bit more the focus? I think that's probably true and I guess with the risk factors around Covid you can perhaps understand why. Um, I have to say we've been largely very well supported by Kent County Council who have excelled themselves as well in working with us and um, we've also been well supported by things like Public Health England um, but yes probably we have been a little bit down the list just because of the, the risks to older people and perhaps hopefully, although our residents are very vulnerable, um, the one or two who have had COVID haven't really been very ill. So I can kind of see why, but it'd be nice to see the government, you know, focusing more on people with uh, disabilities. Another Kent Secondary School is going to close for two weeks following a surge in coronavirus cases. The 100 of Who Academy has taken the decision as it's been struggling with low staff numbers after 22 people tested positive for the virus in the past week. Meantime, Year 11 at Dane Court Grammar School in Broadstairs have been told to isolate following confirmed cases there. We're told the decision was taken to send the entire year group home due to a number of positive tests and staff shortages. Elsewhere, the Year 
one bubble is having to isolate at Coxheath Primary School in Maidstone after coming into close contact with a pupil who caught COVID-19. And five Kent MPs are calling on the government to make sure churches are allowed to reopen ahead of Christmas. Craig McKinley, Damien Collins, Tracy Crouch, Sir Roger Gale and Tom Tugendhat have signed a letter to Boris Johnson highlighting how important religious services are for many people. Kent Online News. Elsewhere today, police have issued an urgent warning after a suspected wartime shell went missing in Dartford. It was discovered by someone fishing in a river near Overy Street yesterday evening. They left it on a wall, but then it had disappeared before officers arrived. The device could be dangerous as it hasn't been checked by explosive experts and police are urging anyone who's seen it or knows where it is to come forward. Almost £12 million has been awarded to help build a new railway station just outside of Ramsgate. Thanet Parkway, which will be in Cliff's End, is one of six schemes in the county being given funding. The organisation South East Local Enterprise Partnership says the project will help drive the economic growth and encourage investment in the area. Now, plans have been put in to turn a former quarry in North Kent into an £81 million development of luxury homes. If given the go-ahead, it would see 187 flats built in a disused chalk pit close to Greenhithe Railway Station. The one, two and three bedroom apartments would also have parking spaces for almost 300 vehicles. A man's been taken to hospital with a head injury after being attacked in Maidstone. The victim, who's in his 40s, was hit in Lower Stone Street on Saturday night. A description of the suspect police are looking for is at Kent Online. The owners of a popular music venue in Faversham say they're in a race against time to raise enough money to stay open. The hot tin on Whitstable Road has been closed since March and needs £26,000 to stay afloat. It opened in a former Victorian corrugated iron church building in 2018. A crowdfunder has so far raised £6,000. And we're just over a month to go until the big day. Doorstop visits from Santa are being arranged for children in Deal. They can be booked through the Astor Theatre, which is putting them on with the hope of bringing some festive cheer ahead of Christmas. Money raised will go towards funding for the theatre and the town's food bank. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham fans are probably feeling it was two points dropped rather than a point gained against promotion chasing Charlton at the weekend. It ended one all at the Priestfield Stadium. We caught up with Jill's assistant manager Paul Rayner after the match. I thought it was an extremely good performance. Um, the downside is that uh, we only came away with one point and, and, and that's disappointing. I thought we, uh, we had a fantastic shape about us. We nullified the real threat that, uh, that Charlton have. You know, they, they've got some fantastic attacking players, both coming off the bench, both starting the game. And I thought we, uh, we really kept it down to a minimum, the problems they caused us. And uh, say on chances, I think we should be talking about a, you know, a clear victory for us. But unfortunately, we weren't ruthless enough and, uh, and it wasn't to be. I think it's too dropped, you know, reflected on the game. Um, you know, we're disappointed. We, we, we come into every game expecting to win, wanting to win. I thought, uh, you know, the shape was good. I thought we were a real attacking threat as well. Um, so, you know, you put those two together, you know, it was a good performance, but game's about taking chances, you know. For Dane Oliver, we should be talking about a hat-trick, really, in, in terms of the, the chances he had. And uh, But the day's been brilliant all season for us, so he's in there a little bit disappointed that he didn't at least take one of them. Uh, but he'll bounce back and, uh, you know, he'll get more chances and he'll score more goals for us. Angelingham are back in action tomorrow night as they face AFC Wimbledon in another home game. Well, that's it for today, but don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. To do it, head to subsaver.co.uk.
News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.